the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home on 101.5 Word FM. And now here are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy Emmons. Burr. Burr. It's a cold one, isn't it? Man, I, my mailman came today. I wanted to hug the guy. Oh, my gosh. God bless him. Those guys, those women out there. Oh. Yeah. Anyone Holy who's smokes. working construction or doing... The police, EMS. Doing, like water repair oh. you know i don't mean water repair but you know like yeah, sure. like the lines are broken exactly. they've got to get out there and do their work repair. god bless those men oh and women because i mean all i did was go from my front door down to my car i got the snow off it and oh, you're just freezing can't wait to get out of that it is brutal out there apparently we're on track to break a record today and uh, all, of course, you know this, area universities have responded in kind, shut down probably for t- tomorrow as well. Right, so any- no pit, no Point Park. Mm-mm, no Grove City. No Grove City. I don't know I mean, about, I would assume Duquesne's the everybody, same way. Everybody, yeah, they're all Carlo, shut down. Everybody. CMU. Which is weird because, you know, in the universities, for the most part, it's pretty self-contained. I mean, like, like, look, we've got kids at Grove City, so what, what are they running from one place to another? It's not that big of a deal. Get them to school. Get, let's get to class, you guys. Wait a minute. Come on. You clearly did not go to Pitt. What do you mean? Well, Oh, like a, a jaunt from one end of the street oh, to the other? Oh, yeah. Not one end of the street. No, no, no. I mean, you could be, if you have a, a, a uh, class up on the hill, oh, okay. I mean, that, and you have another class down at, you know, Clap Hall or something, that's <laughs> like a so. mile. <laughs> I mean, that's a long way. Come on now. Now, on all the time you went to Pitt, did they ever cancel class? One time, Once. only one time in four years, and it was because of a giant snowstorm. Okay, so we had a lo- we had a ton of snow. Uh huh. Not because of the cold, because but it was of the not snow. because all of right. the cold. No, and I, uh, my last uh, several years in college, in my first few years when I was working, I lived in South Oakland, and so I was a mile and a quarter from the cathedral, which mm-hmm. is where most of my classes were, because I was a liberal arts major, and I used to hoof that every day. Yeah, I mean, at least twice. Just you got used to it, of course, yeah. But walking into in weather like this, that Burr, would be yeah. really tough. Wait, so the uh, was it the governor of Arkansas? He's under fire because he said, you know, we're getting soft, so we should suck it up and get to get to school. But you know, you see these kids out there waiting for the school bus, and you go, yeah, oh my gosh. you're waiting for a school bus, and me? it's you know waiting for a half an hour, whatever you're doing. Buses break down. My kid took the school bus. That thing would break down all the time. Oh, you think I used to drive my daughter. Like maybe two or three days a year, I'd drive her to the bus stop and just sit there in the car. Yeah, I did it was that with my kid too. Cold, right? I mean, I felt bad for her. Yeah. Now, you know, she's sixteen and she feels like you know she's no. not going to go to school anyway because they're going to keep canceling it. Of course, but look, now every old man like myself says this. I don't think that we really canceled school for cold in the sixties. No, for- I don't. I mean, I. I wasn't we just in, went to school. I wasn't in school in the sixties, but I don't think we canceled school in the seventies or eighties either. For the cold, no, we no. just you know put on some but extra clothes. Maybe we just don't remember. No, I don't think. I, no, I think maybe. No, I don't think they canceled. I think we're just getting a little you know, softer. All right, I want to move talking from kids to pets. Okay, are you ready for this? I want to tell you about three-year-old Caicos Ruby. 
Caicos Ruby. Mm-hmm. That's a name of a dog or a cat. He wears Henry Bendel down coats, monogrammed hoodies. Oh, I'm reading gosh. from the USA Today. Yeah. His birthday cakes are custom made, complete oh with gosh. sparklers. Caicos eats fresh food delivered right to his doorstep, only drinks Mount Valley spring water. Oh, please. He's been treated to massages in his own oh. penthouse hotel suite, loves to sip coconut water while he's on vacation, mm-hmm. and he is a three-pound ice white teacup Pomeranian. Mm-hmm. That's just someone who has too much time and too much money. This is an article on why millennials are pampering their pets even more so than children. No, so that's a millennial? Mm-hmm. That's Chris a, Ruby. That's a deep-pocketed millennial. Name. She's 32 years old. I'm just picking on millennials again, Mike, hoping that Sorry. you'll stand up for your own people. Sorry, Mike. Those, those boomers aren't doing that kind of stuff, are they? Oh, now, yeah. how about Zsa, Zsa Gabor, right? I mean, she did that with her babies. Who was the woman in uh, New York City uh, with the hotels? Uh, the queen of mean, and she had she when she died, she left her her dogs hundreds oh, of millions that. of Who dollars. The queen of mean, I should know that. I mean, I lived there with her. I mean, I mean you I'm, lived there with her, with I her mean, and her dogs. No, I mean, no, I was in New York City. <laughs> it was the queen of mean, all the dogs, and John Hall. No, I mean, she was in New York whenever she I was in New York. Didn't like you because mm-hmm. yeah, she, she Leona <laughs> <Leona> Helmsley. <laughs> Right, exactly. The queen of means. She left her dogs hundreds of millions of dollars to be cared for after her death. Fur families are a growing trend, John, particularly among millennials, Mike. Here we go. Who make up the largest segment of pet owners with 73% of millennials in America owning one. Really? According to a 2018 report by the American Pet Products not Association. Mike. He does not own a pet, does he? He does not no, own a pet. Is that because not. your landlord won't let you? Correct. Okay, mm-hmm. got Correct. it. Increasingly, though, pet parents are demanding parity in a society attuned to the wants and needs of actual human children, and they're getting it. Parity. Housing developments are including dog play spaces and grooming salons. Hotels now provide pet-friendly accommodation. Even Starbucks, I did not know this, has recognized the trend with its puppuccino. A dog-friendly drink on the Starbucks secret menu. Oh, there's a secret menu. There is a Starbucks secret Ah. menu. A puppuccino. What's that made up of? Well, I don't know, but something that your little pooch would like. Corporate America is responding to by offering pet perks such as vet insurance as an employee benefit, take your dog to work days, and in some cases, paternity leave or fraternity leave which is paid time off for newly adopted uh-huh, uh-huh. pets. Okay. Paternity. Well, I remember, um, did you ever see, did you ever watch a dog give birth? No, I never have. Uh-uh. Mike, did I you? I have. Uh, yeah. Well, we had a family dog and it mm-hmm. gave birth and I was able to sit there and, you know, watch these little babies. It was really cool. We had a Siberian Husky. Oh. It had a litter of, uh, I think, six. And she did not want any of us near her. Right. Every any time that we got close to those pups, no, 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 grab. stay away, right, yeah, right, stay yeah. Away, yeah. I was yeah. like that. What? <laughs> when you were giving birth, <laughs> I didn't want anybody near anybody you. Anybody around, no. around me. God bless you. I actually just wanted. I didn't want to be around me. Yeah, you wanted a puppuccino. <laughs> I wanted to get myself <laughs> into a different menu. situation. Holy I can smokes. promise you that. Yeah. All right. Coming up next, we deceive ourselves if we think we need no savior. We'll talk about Dostoevsky and our capacity for deceiving ourselves next. You're as cold as ice. You're willing to sacrifice our love. 
101.5 WORD. Okay, everybody in the car. Where are we going, Daddy? On an adventure. Yay! Adventures in Odyssey. It's not just a kid's show. It's a show the whole family can enjoy. Listen on this station. Adventures in Odyssey, tonight at 8 on 101.5 Word FM, W-O-R-D. If you're drowning in IRS debt and can't afford to pay, then you need to take advantage of special IRS tax programs that are available and free yourself from IRS collection efforts once and for all. Due to the financial hardship consumers are facing throughout the country, the Internal Revenue Service has made it easier to settle delinquent tax problems. An open phone line has been established by Community Tax for consumers to call and see if they qualify. Take down this number or store it in your cell phone, but call the Community Tax Helpline at 800-500-5588. If you owe back taxes to the IRS and cannot afford to pay them back, or even if you have years of unfiled tax returns, there's no need to fear anymore. But you have to call the Community Tax Helpline today at 800-500-5588 for the help that you need. Don't take on the IRS alone. They can attack your wages, savings, pension, home, and even your social security check. Call 800-500-5588 for your free consultation and to see if you qualify. That's 800-500-5588. Extreme Car and Truck in Bridgeville has everything you need to protect your car or truck all winter long. Say goodbye to winter grind with an extreme detailing to help preserve the life and look of your vehicle. Got a new car? Protect your investment with TST Rust Remedy, the most effective rust control system you'll find anywhere. And spray-on bullet bed liners offer extreme protection tested in the most extreme conditions known to man. Call the Extreme Team now at 412-257-1006 or visit ExtremeTruck.net. 412-257-1006, ExtremeTruck.net. Most clubs you join require an initiation fee or a club membership. But not the Word FM Discount Shopping Club. No, in our club, you save as much as half. That's right, 50% on gift certificates and items from local restaurants, health services, and much more. All from the comfort of your computer or smartphone. Log on now to wordfm.com slash shopping. And I'll see you at the club. Thank you. You know, they say the best is yet to come. But to make that true for your retirement, you need a plan. We'll start by tuning in for Your Retirement Blueprint with Kurt Kenotic and Ethan Lane with Accurate Solutions Group every Saturday morning at 10. Kurt and Ethan can help simplify the retirement planning process. No technical terms or calculations, no product pushing, just the information you need for retirement. Don't miss Your Retirement Blueprint with Kurt Kenotic and Ethan Lane of Accurate Solutions Group every Saturday morning at 10 right here on 101.5 Word FM. Hey, welcome back. Pastor Josh Brown is with us today. Josh is a regular guest on our show. Josh is the pastor at Belfield Evangelical Church in the Oakland neighborhood. Josh, welcome, sir. How are you? Hey, I'm doing well. How are you doing today? Good, Josh? real good. Thanks for being with us. Yeah, my pleasure. Josh, isn't it odd it, when you step back and think about how easily, not just we lie to each other, but how easily we lie to ourselves? Uh, it's odd. It's sad. It is sad. More, more than anything, if we can get to a point of, of recognizing it, yeah. And it's so it, it's like unbelievably destructive, and oh, so easy to do. It really is, and it usually it's often the death by a thousand cuts kind of destructive. Right. Um, sometimes it blows up in our face in, in some really big ways, but more often than not, I think it's a place you get yourself to over time without even quite realizing it, and then when when you do see where you are, it's. It can be pretty hard to, to write that ship. 
Yeah, so great minds have written about this, thought about this. Dostoevsky has written about this. Tell, tell us this quote, Josh. Yeah, this, there's a quote from uh, the Brothers Karamazov. It's one of my favorite novels, and it came to mind recently because I'm also doing a we're doing a study out here through the letter of First John, and there's uh, there's a number of places in that letter, but particularly at the end of the first chapter and going into the second, where John is really dealing with these ideas of self-deception. And uh, the reason that I, that this particular quote came to mind, and I looked at that, is uh, that I think he hits on something pretty insightful in that. Dostoevsky does in in the book. There, he has. Um, I, I'm sure that some of your listeners have read that book. You guys maybe have read that, familiar with it. There's a, a great character in there called Father Zosima, and he's this saintly old monk in the town, and uh, he's teaching people at one point and talking and imparting some of his wisdom. And the quote is this: He he says, above all, don't lie to yourself. The man who lies to himself and listens to his own lie comes to such a pass that he cannot distinguish the truth within him or around him, and so loses all respect for himself and for others. And having no respect, he ceases to love. And what I think Dostoevsky does there very insightfully is links this capacity for self-deception with our ability to genuinely love. Uh, I think what he's saying there is that that the greater the one of them is, the lesser the other can Mm. be. If we are if we are going to be deceiving ourselves about who we are or who God is or what our relationship is with him or how we're supposed to interact with our neighbors, to, to the greater extent that we do that, the less we are able to love God and mm. love our neighbor the way we're supposed to, and vice versa. Mm-hmm. Our lies get in the way mm-hmm. of our love. Several decades that's, that's ago. a great way to put it, John. Yeah. That's a great way to put it. You know that book by... Um, M. Scott Peck. It's called People of the Lie. It came yeah. out decades ago. I read it, you know, much after the date that it was originally published. But that book was, I don't know, that was really instrumental in me thinking through the import, like what the importance of honesty is for uh, maturation in a person. And he basically talked about the same idea that, that every time we lie, whether either I'm lying to you or I'm lying to myself, you're putting a distance between yourself and what's true. And the bigger that distance between yourself and what's true, the more you enter into places of depression or anxiety or mental illness or relationship breakdown or whatever. And so if we're looking to be healthy people, we have to be people who are looking for truth, wherever that is. So we need to be looking in that direction. And you know, it, the way it was set up, and of course at that time, he had written that other influential book, um, which I can't think of. The Road Less Traveled. The Road Less Traveled. Um, and so that was a time, I think, that when people started thinking about, like, how does psychology interact with, like, everyday life? And that was a really practical way. And, of course, he, I believe, himself was coming to faith at the same time as he was writing the book about people of, called People of the Lie. Anyway, it was illustrative to me that if I really wanted – to grow as a person, I was going to have to choose. I was going to have to call it like it is and be honest with myself and God or just not. Yeah. Yeah, and those are those are themes that um, I, obviously Peck and Dostoevsky and others have written about them, and, and those are some of the same themes that I, I mentioned I find, you find in, in something like the letter of 1 John. And um, there's some really insight, uh, there's some really, really direct ways that John speaks about it. I mean, he doesn't sugarcoat much of it. Uh, there's one point, um, this is, as I said, kind of the last part of chapter 1 and beginning in chapter 2. He says, um, if we say that we have fellowship with God while we walk in darkness, we lie, we don't practice the truth. Um, just a few verses later, he, say, he says, that if we say that we have not sinned, we make God to be a liar, his word is not in us. Um, just a couple verses after that, 
He says, whoever says, I know God, but does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. Um, just a little later on, he uh, continues to, uh, says again, whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in the darkness. I mean, he, it's not it's not subtle what he's getting at. Um, it's very direct. It kind of stings, especially if you are willing to acknowledge that that is what's going on in our hearts too often. So why, why do we? I mean, to lift ourselves up, to make ourselves feel better. Well, it's hard to face what's real, what's true, I think. Yeah, it is. Uh, on, on kind of, yeah, it's hard to, to see that because we, we're going to find things that we're not comfortable with. We're going to find things that aren't the way that we want them to be. We're going to find things that we wish other people didn't see about us or didn't recognize about us. And I think that stuff's just true about the human heart in general. And then, and then when you add that to some of just the... Um, marketing kind of industry that exists in modern society where you're being told, you know, you are supposed to be this kind of paragon of beauty and skill and intelligence and, and whatever else. Uh, you feel like you've got to, you have to present that. That's the way that you need to be presented in order to be acceptable or um, lovable. And it just, it just gets into a nasty, vicious cycle. Yeah. I mean, it, it's ancient, right? I mean, no, Oh, yeah. The great philosophers have talked about the truth. I mean, Jesus says the way, the truth, and the life. Uh, I mean, uh, it's uh, in a world that is so complicit in untruths, what it would be so, what a wonderful world it would be if we told the truth, if all of us told the truth. I mean, we're all, you know, in the hashtag fake news era right now. So, you know, corporations are But we're also in the engaged. hashtag Me Too movement, which is all about bringing the truth out, right? Like saying what really happened. So part yeah. of us, so part of us wants that. Yeah, that, that's true, and and I would I would say that uh, before you even get to those kinds of of movements and those kinds of things, which are are kind of they're they're sort of operating at the level of um, truth in between others, or truth in communication, or truth in our actions and interactions with others, which, which is uh, absolutely important. Even before you get to that, some of the stuff that John's talking about and um, Dostoevsky and Peck and others are, are really you know truth with yourself and truth with yourself before the Lord, first of all. Um, so that that even, those other ones are incredibly important, and those are significant things that are happening and conversations that are, are also equally difficult to have but necessary to have. Um, but before we even get to that part, things like what John especially is saying there is you, you, need to, you need to be able to acknowledge who you really are before the Lord, that the Lord, who is the holy and righteous creator, is the one for whom we stand, and, and we are not. And I think to, to me, right, Joshua, I mean, if you believe in Christ and final judgment, that we will stand before the Lord someday, I mean, it's undeniable that the truth will be before us. But we spend our lives like a dog chasing his tail, and choose not to engage in the truth. But sooner or later, all things will come out. Yeah, they will. They will. And what... Um in the meantime, though, I think, you know, before that, before that day itself happens, the reason that it can be so hard for us is that we, we have bought into um, some just lies even that we've told ourselves or that we've been uh, conditioned to believe about certain things. So in particular, the, that's First John 1, 10, where he says, if we say that we have not sinned, mm-hmm. now, that's one of the areas where we're just not, we're just not honest with ourselves right. about the fact that we need a Savior. Uh, we deceive ourselves, John says about that. And that happens for a few reasons. One uh, reason, um, 
you know, we just don't think that sin is, is a thing at all. It just doesn't exist. I mean, that it operates... To, do, to say that it does says that there are things that are right and are wrong more than just your preferences, but things that are even objectively that way. And we don't, we don't even, most of us just don't even believe that that kind of a framework exists for the world, so that becomes a difficult thing. Or if we will even get to the point of accepting that, we think, well, it doesn't, it doesn't exist in me. It's not a problem that I have. And if we can even get to the point of admitting that, no, it is something that affects each and every one of us, uh, then we may believe the lie that, it's, well, it's not really a big deal, uh, so all those things really compounded together get us to the point of saying, well, yeah, okay, I'm going to stand before the Lord someday, but what's the problem? <laughs> Joshua Brown is with us. He's the pastor of Belfield Presbyterian Church in the Oakland district of Pittsburgh. Okay, so this might sound like a tributary, but uh, it makes me think of the importance of confession. So before we were on the air today, John and I were talking about your nephew. Right. Right. Your nephew's about to do, what do they call it? Uh, it's called first reconciliation. So my, my brother, uh, raised Catholic, he's helping to, to raise my niece's, uh, son. And so he's, you know, gonna, I think he's eight years old. He's gonna have his first confession in anticipation of first Holy Communion. So first reconciliation, of course, is him sitting down and confessing his sins. Now, when you were a kid, you thought that that was, like an enormous deal you were oh it's a gigantic deal i mean i remember being a catholic schoolboy and being in training for this and you know uh, having the nuns talk us through this process and you know of course you know it, it was ridiculous in some way because you know we were in training so they would say okay so as you walk into the confessional this is the order of you know, the engagement and there are a series of you know introductions and then prayers and then you confess your sins before the priest now the the, the theological implications of that outside of Catholicism, notwithstanding, you do confess your sins. And I think, of course, that's vitally important. Well, and it makes me wonder, just in our conversation now, I mean, the verse you just read, right? Like, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth isn't in us. So one of the things I do think that Protestants are bad at is just being... The confession? Is, is the idea of co- confession. I, yeah. I, I don't think we get that as deeply as Catholics do. What do you say? Oh, I, I agree with you on that. Um, and there are a whole, you can point to a whole bunch of reasons why why that is the case. Uh, I think that one of them is that it's, well, first of all, um, it's not something that's fun. I mean, I don't, I don't know too many people that enjoy doing that because it, it is bringing to light something that um, most people would prefer to have. Right. Even but Josh, it's just between you and the Lord privately. So, and I'll say this though, Josh, as a Catholic schoolboy, we did we confessed on a weekly basis. So, uh-huh. as I went through the week when I was complicit or I was lying or whatever I was doing, I was acutely conscious of it, knowing that I would have to reconcile that at some point in the very near future. So, it kept me accountable in some way. It does. Yeah, and um uh, there, it's it's really complicated uh, kind of thing that I think has gotten, as Kathy pointed out, like sort of many many branches of modern Protestantism um, to a place where that's just not a functional part of of corporate worship, let alone even individual discipleship. It's a, it's really being a pretty complicated trajectory that's gotten it to that point. But one of it, uh, one factor is is that I mean it's it's not a it's not a comfortable thing. There's you realize there's a degree of accountability. Uh, the theology behind it is that well, if I don't have to confess to a priest, then it's that this is just something between me and the Lord. Then it's not something that you need to know about anyway. Um, uh, so that that's a factor, and because of that, it just keeps getting pushed further and further to the background. Um, another one is is a way that the 
gospel itself has been uh, kind of packaged over the years. Um, I, there's a guy named David Wells who's written a lot about this, and he had an expression in one of his books where he said that a lot of the ways the gospel is presented uh, in modern American Christianity is that for this, his expression uh, is something to this effect, where he says, for, for a one-time admission of imperfection, you are guaranteed an eternity of bliss. And we think that that's, that's what it means. It's just, just once you have to say, oh, yeah, okay, I do need Jesus because I'm not perfect. And then it, it never comes up again. It's not something that you have to just, um, uh, you know, beat yourself up about every single day, but it should be a regular thing where you just acknowledge and even remind yourself. Uh, you don't have to remind the Lord. He knows it. But remind yourself, well, I really, there, I, I do need somebody to deliver me. Right. Paul says that in Romans 7, a wretched man that I am, who right. will deliver me from this body of death. Yes. Uh, I mean, and that's powerful, Josh. I mean, you see that, you know, in recovery, right, where people in recovery communities, they have a sponsor, someone that you're accountable to, that you go to, and you do confess yourself and you're right, sure for, to keep you on the secure side. so gorgeous about that. That, yeah. that that people put themselves at the mercy of a friend who they know is going to be their confessor and their I mean we're just those of us who haven't gone through that we just I think we've missed out on something really vital in faith right but to bring me back to that confession to, so to confess is to bring me back into a right relationship which is the truth of Jesus Christ that's right yeah it gets you it, it acknowledges that i mean it acknowledges i am somebody who needs a savior uh i am somebody who is fully and entirely dependent upon god's grace for that uh this is not something that i can do for myself this is something that christ has done for me and I, i'm resting in that i'm rejoicing in that it's not it's not uh meant to leave you in a place of just despair um yeah despair exactly or or just uh to be a somber at the, at the whole thing it ultimately ought to lead to a place of um just the gratitude and even even ability to rejoice in the fact that God does provide that forgiveness. Yeah. Right. I mean, let me, let me go back again to my Catholic schoolboy thing because, you know, this is sort of um, a big part of my, you know, um, growing up that, I, again, I had a nun who would describe, you know, and this is just, you know, infant theology, but she would say, you know, as you sin, think of your, think of your house, right? Um, that as you sin, you sully your house, that your one sin does this. And so, the you know, the room is messed up or the cow is, you know, dirty or whatever. And so, you know, as you sin, it puts things back into, into right order again. And I remember as being, you confess. as you confess, right. No, as you sin, you know, you, you're messing things up. And then as you confess, there's right order. But I remember, you know, not being, you know, being so far away from the Lord. I was living, you know, in New York City and I was in my 20s and I was like, you know, just a guy kind of out of his mind. And I would reflect back upon what that nun had to say to me. And I used to think, my house is is in a hole. It has been cratered. Mm. You know, I am so deep in sin that I have blown up my life. And, you know, and I think it's important that we think about ourselves like that, the wretchedness of our own sinfulness and how deeply that we need a Savior so I do come back in right relationship sooner or later, sooner much so rather than later. Right. And, and again, uh, the, the, the point is not to just... To remain in that place of, as you said, despair or lamenting over the over the wretchedness. Uh, I think some people, when you start talking about confession, they they think that that's it. They say, "Well, why would I want to stay there? That's not a that's not a good place." But the the point is to get you to a place where you can really rejoice in the good news of the gospel in the way that we were meant to. Um, I mean, it's it's kind of an inverse relationship in a way where if sin is really if sin's not really a big deal, I mean, if it's not really a problem. If grace is just some kind of like spiritual Tylenol, then why why is it worthy? 
why do we get so excited about this? Why are we praising God and celebrating and rejoicing in what it is he's done for us? But if we see sin for the problem that it really is, uh, for how pervasive it really is, for how destructive it really is, for the fact that the wages of sin are death, and then we see that that is what that is what has been fully removed from me by Jesus Christ, uh, then you see, oh, that that is a reason to uh, rejoice forever in what the Lord has done for me. That is a reason to live an, in, in an entirely new way that reflects the fact that I've been brought out of death and into life. So it's it's not to just dwell on how bad sin is and only stay there. But if we don't even, if we don't acknowledge that, as John says, if we don't see the truth of that, then you're never going to be able to see the truth of how good the good news of the gospel is. Amen to that. That's Josh Brown, pastor of Belfield Presbyterian Church in the Oakland District of Pittsburgh. Josh, tell us about Belfield and when you guys meet. We have uh, services on, on Sunday, 2 in the morning, one at 8.30, one at 11 o'clock, one in the evening at 5 o'clock on Sunday. We have uh, a number of different ministries to in, within the university communities here at Pitt and CMU and Chatham. Um, but we are a multi-generational church. We've got families from all ages and, and people who come into here. And we really have a desire to just care for the Oakland community. We're, we've got a kind of unique location, and so we see that as a wonderful opportunity to care for the medical community here, the university communities, and just be uh, able to bear witness to this good news of the gospel here in our corner of the city. Very nice. Josh, always a pleasure. Thanks so much. We enjoyed the conversation. Thanks, guys. Have a good day. Stay Thank you. Yeah. yeah, thank you. You as well. I mean, th- the first time I read that, that quote by Dostoevsky, that, that hit me like right between the eyes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to read it one more time. Above all, don't lie to yourself. The man who lies to himself and listens to his own lie comes to such a pass that he cannot distinguish the truth within him or around him and so loses all respect for himself and for others. And having no respect, he ceases to love. We'll take a break, come back. We've got a lot more ahead. Um, Christian Bale, Phil Collins, they're on our docket. What do they mean? Stick around and find out. Proverbs 17.22 tells us that laughter doeth like good medicine. It's true. Science has discovered that when a person laughs, their body actually releases endorphins into the bloodstream. These tiny hormones actually increase the body's ability to heal. So here's a question. When was the last time you had a good laugh with your spouse? I mean a really good belly laugh. Hi, we're Jay and Laura LaFoon, and we'd like to invite you to our ultimate date night, where you'll spend 90 minutes with your spouse laughing like you haven't laughed in years. Since 1996, we've been traveling the country using our unique style of marriage edutainment to seamlessly combine humor and biblical truth. So join us and have a great laugh with your spouse. Word FM presents The Ultimate Date Night with Jay and Laura LaFoon Friday, February 1st at Christ Church at Grove Farm. Tickets just $48 a pair. Special VIP package including dinner also available. Reserve now at wordfm.com slash date night. Join Pittsburgh Theological Seminary for the 5th Annual Community Conversation on Race and Faith on Saturday, February 9th at 2 p.m. Featuring a lecture by professor and author Herbert R. Marbury. The title of Dr. Marbury's lecture is Sacred Texts and Contested Canons, a Biblical Witness in Polarized Times. The lecture is open to the public and admission is free. The 5th Annual Community Conversation on Race and Faith, Saturday, February 9th at 2 p.m. Details at pts.edu. Hi, I'm Mike Ditcher. On the field, they called me Iron Mike. But some days, even Iron Mike can feel a little rusty. So I turned to Blue Emu. 
Blue Emu's non-greasy, deep-penetrating formula gets down deep for big-time comfort. And more importantly, it doesn't leave me smelling like a locker room. Now, do you excuse me? I have some yelling to do. You hit like old men. Blue Emu. It works fast and you won't stink. From Skypass Entertainment comes The Least of These, the Graham Stain story. When speculation mounts that a local missionary is converting locals to Christianity in India, a journalist must choose between his own ambition and the truth. We can't make any mistakes. I know. We must pray. Based on the incredible true story, The Least of These, the Graham Stain story, rated PG-13. May be inappropriate for children under 13. In theaters February 1st with a special sneak peek Thursday, January 31st. For theaters and tickets, go to the least of these dot movie. I get this warm feeling every single time we have special needs patients in our office. Their needs are not that different from anybody else. Spending the time with that patient is very rewarding to me. Exceptional dentistry meets compassionate care at StockFamilyDentistry.com. Indeed. Used by over 3 million businesses for hiring, where business owners and HR professionals can post job openings with screener questions, then sort, review, and communicate with candidates from an online dashboard. Learn more at Indeed.com slash hire. Clear to partly cloudy tonight, brisk and frigid going down to a low of 5 below zero. Wind chills remaining between about 20 and 25 below for tonight. Tomorrow, mostly sunny, brisk and bitterly cold. High 11, staying very cold tomorrow night with some snow late, low 6 degrees. Friday, some morning snow accumulating an inch or two. High Friday, 25 degrees. A Mackey Weather Meteorologist, Danielle Niddle on 101.5 Word FM. Happy Phil birthday Con- to Phil Collins. I have a very distinct memory of that song. Yeah. The first time I ever had a pair of headphones on and listened to a Walkman, I was in a rehearsal. <laughs> I was in a rehearsal hall at the public theater for Two Gentlemen of Verona, and some actor came in from New York City and he said, "Have you ever seen one of these?" And he showed me, you know, his cassette Walkman. I was like, "What's that?" And he said, "Check this out." And I put those headphones on, and I heard that song. It blew me out of the water. I mean, that's a great. That whenever that they riffed into that, boom, 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 that thing. <laughs> Don't you love when John? I, I, I love that so much. <laughs> so cool. All right, so Phil Collins is uh, celebrating today. How many years? His birthday is today. Uh, if I'm guessing, oh, of course, which I am here, uh, sixty-seven. 68. Hey, it's not Pretty bad. Darn Correct. good. Cor- well, I'm uh, not really. Okay, so the year Wrong. of that the <laughs> year you. of that song. <laughs> I want to say 1982. 3. Wrong. <laughs> what year? 81. 81. Really? 1981. Okay. okay. Very nice. All right. Were you a Phil Collins fan? John? Oh, I was a big yeah, yeah. Phil Collins fan. Yeah. What yeah. about you, Mike? Not really. Yeah. Well, that's nah. past your general. Susu well, Studio. Listen, his favorite band is Creedence. Oh, that's right. Yeah, okay, exactly. I don't think he's concerned about era. That's right. Uh, oh, yeah. Genesis. Genesis. 
I like Genesis. I liked some of Genesis. I liked Abacab a lot. Their earlier stuff was really rough to get okay. through. But Phil Collins at his nadir, he oh, was yeah, a like, massive yeah, international like star. Studio and uh, and I uh, what I loved lonely about man him, there in the corner. Yeah, um, so many things he was gigantic. But he was sort of wait was lonely man there in the corner? Was that Phil Collins or was that Genesis? Uh, that's Genesis. No. Oh, is it? I okay. believe so. Yeah. But Phil Collins was kind of like the anti-rock star. You know, he was like this little skinny guy, kind of someone who would not, you would think, oh, that's a rock star. I just always loved him because of that. He was just kind of like a reg- – he could have well, been a plumber he's a, somewhere listen, in he's a, you know, he's a rare suburban person. London. He's a rare person. He's a great player, and he's a great singer. He's a drummer. He's a great singer. There you go. <laughs> you dig that. <laughs> Phil Collins, 68. Happy birthday, Phil Collins. Take a break. Come back. Uh, We're talking about the abortion law. One was just passed in New York, perhaps one coming in Virginia. Okay. Some audio you won't believe. WORD. There are three ways of dealing with the Bible, especially when you come to a passage that you don't quite agree with or understand. The first tactic is to pick and choose what you want to believe. The second is to remain ignorant of what the Bible has to say at all. The third is to dig into the Word and try to understand all of it, whether or not you like what it has to say. Well, if you fall into that last category or would like to, please join us this week on Through the Bible Radio. This evening at 9 p.m. on 101.5 WORD. I'm Nick Soboleski, a select quote agent with a true story that could save you hundreds of dollars a year. A woman named Linda just called. Her husband, Ray, has a $300,000 group life insurance policy, but is changing jobs and can't take it with him. Well, I shopped the many highly rated term life insurance companies we represent and found Ray who is 41 and takes medication to control his cholesterol, a 10-year, $500,000 policy for under $27 a month. That's almost twice the coverage for less than half of what he had paid. If SelectQuote hasn't shopped for your life insurance, you're probably paying too much. For your free quote, call 800-452-6990. That's 800-452-6990. 800-452-6990. Or go to SelectQuote.com. Since 1985, we shop, you save. Get full details on the example policy at selectquote.com slash commercials. Your price could vary depending on your health, issuing company, and other factors. Not available in all states. Have you ever used the excuse the devil made me do it? Well, you may be right. I'm Screwtape, demon extraordinaire, and star of the Screwtape Letters, the wildly popular stage adaptation of the best-selling novel by C.S. Lewis. In it, I teach young Wormwood the art of temptation, a wickedly witty portrait of spiritual warfare and how demons like me influence your everyday life. But don't take my word for it. After all, why should you trust me? The Associated Press calls C.S. Lewis the Screwtape Letters devilishly funny. Lewis's insights still resonate. Christianity Today says it's a profound experience, and the National Review calls it pure genius. See C.S. Lewis, The Screwtape Letters. Get your tickets today. The Screwtape Letters, coming to the Bayam Theater in Pittsburgh, Saturday, February 16th. Great deals for groups, too. For tickets, go to fpatheater.com. That's fpatheater.com. And now, a quick comparison from Grasshopper. 
When you're always on the go, what would you prefer, an office phone system? Hey, it's Rochelle. Sorry I missed you earlier, had an errand to run, but I'm back in the office, so give me a call when you get this. Or one that works on your cell phone. No hardware needed, courtesy of Grasshopper. Oh, one sec. It's a business call. Hi, this is Rochelle with WayForward Partners. How can I help? There's no contest. Put your best voice forward with Grasshopper, the virtual phone system for small business. Try it free at grasshopper.com. Most clubs you join require an initiation fee or a club membership, but not the Word FM Discount Shopping Club. No, in our club, you save as much as half. That's right, 50% on gift certificates and items from local restaurants, health services, and much more. All from the comfort of your computer or smartphone. Log on now to wordfm.com slash shopping. And I'll see you at the club. If you woken from a long slumber and you went on the Internet today and read the news of what's happening in Virginia and the state of New York, you would have think that during your sleep you would have fallen into a dystopian empire, such as the state of uh, what's happening with uh, pro-life here in the United States of America, where it feels as though, from a, from my perspective, that we are just... We've lost our minds, and a large percentage of the population of this country is nodding their their heads and going, yeah, th- those those uh, laws, that makes good sense. So thumbs up to Governor Cuomo, and yeah, I, I would agree with what's happening in Virginia as well. Ann Kennedy's with us. Ann's a regular guest on our show. She's the author of Nailed It, 365 Sarcastic Devotions for Angry and Worn Out People. She blogs almost every day at PreventingGrace.com. Ann, welcome back to the show. Thank you. So glad to be here. And so Governor Andrew Cuomo lit up the New York City skyline after the passage of a bill that would ensure any woman having an abortion in New York that she could do so up until the time of delivery. Um, To wild cheers. Yeah, to wild cheers in the the, uh, Senate chamber. Your response? I was really discouraged, as you might imagine, and, and offended even. And um, along with many, many New Yorkers, just really grieved and shocked that uh, not maybe that it would pass, but about the rejoicing and the um, the the skyline being lit up uh, was really offensive to me as a resident here. Yeah. Now, what does it tell you? I mean, I've been asking myself this question. I don't have an answer for it. But what do you? What does it tell you about where we are in our cultural conversation about life, about individual choice, about personal autonomy? I I think it's an interesting moment because I think we are really divided, um, if possible, more than ever. The, I think the pro-life movement has made incredible strides over the last uh, decades and has worked so hard. Um, and I think that's probably one reason why the, um, for lack of a better word, the left is so, so angry because it has been pushed back and so many minds have been changed. Um, but that that kind of anger is... Um, it's interesting, and it's a, I find it alarming and scary. Uh, you know, I think, well, who doesn't love uh, babies, of course? That's what drives the pro-life movement forward so um, strongly is the care and the concern for the baby and the mother and for the value of human people. 
Um, and then so to see it kind of spin out in the ugliest possible way is um, is really amazing. I didn't, I wouldn't have said that we would be here 10 years ago at all. Right. I'm amazed by it. I mean, whenever um, remember this the the filming at the Planned Parenthood uh, clinics, uh, Robert uh, David, David Delighton. Yeah, yeah, remember that Center and, for Medical Progress. And those videos came out almost on a weekly basis over a period of uh, eight or nine weeks. I thought I thought this was going to be the defining moment in a pro life conversation for the United States of America, and and it wasn't. No, yeah. be- because the root of this is so deep. The, yeah. the, the tentacles of this philosophy go so into so many places in our, um, in our understanding of ourselves and what we think of children and our own choice. It's just that was not enough. That was right. not enough to get rid of it. It wasn't at all. It was real. I, was, I was shocked by that. I mean, I was, I was so horrified by those videos and reading about it and I did think I agree with you I thought it was going to really change I do think that it it changed some people's minds in a quiet way I do think that um, I do think all the way along that as we go through this incredible battle um, people individuals um, are becoming pro-life I but I you know it's interesting that as that happens um, those who are most committed to it dig in so deeply and so um, angrily that you 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 know they should they've showed their hand in this. I think what's what's interesting about it. Yep. Um, there's no moderation anymore. There's no even pretense that we're talking ab- about something else. I mean, everybody knows what we're talking about. So we, in that way, it's really good. I mean, Governor Cuomo wouldn't have done this um, ten years ago. But now he feels probably like he has to, and like he has the he has the freedom, and so he better. Right. Um, and and you saw it very clearly. And sorry, you saw it very clearly. You know, during the Democratic National Convention, which was essentially a celebration of uh, abortion on the floor one evening. I mean, there there was like you know lighting up New York City skyline. That same sort of response. Now let's let's move fast forward. Uh, last Friday. On the floor at the Virginia Senate, a state representative by the name of Kathy Tran introduced a bill. Called the Repeal Act. Right. And uh, let's play some audio that um, this is what happened on the floor of the Senate. How late in the third trimester would you be able to to do that? You know, it's very unfortunate that our our physicians, uh, witnesses, were not able to attend today to speak specifically. No, no, I'm talking about your bill. How late late in the third trimester could a, a physician perform an abortion if he indicated it would impair the mental health of the of the woman or physical health okay okay i'm, I'm um, talking about the mental health so i mean through the third trimester the third trimester goes all the way up to 40 weeks okay but to the end of the third trimester yep i don't think we have a limit in the bill so um where it's obvious that a woman is about to give birth she has physical signs of, of that she is about to give a birth would that still be a point at which she could request an abortion if she was so certified? She's dilating. Uh, Mr. Chairman, that would be a, you know, a decision that the doctor, the physician, and the woman would I understand make that. that. I'm asking point. if your bill allows that. My bill would allow that, yes. All right. So Virginia trying to compete with New York State as the most progressive state that allows um, 
abortion right up until the moment of uh, a child being born. So, and now, I mean, New York and Virginia are two states with a lot of pool uh, in America. I mean, to me, I, when I heard the Virginia story today, I have to tell you, I was shocked by that. I was shocked, and I'm. It, it, the thing that shocks me about it is just the absolute brutality of it. You know, because I've given birth uh, six times. I had six healthy children, and um, let me tell you that giving birth is mentally taxing. It's very, very difficult. It's physically difficult, and it's mentally difficult. And you have to choose, even in the act of giving birth, you have to choose to give birth. Even at that late moment, it's a choice that you bring somebody else into the world. To, to, to take that and basically make it the most brutal for the woman, especially in the child, to make that a moment of, of wickedness, brutality, and violence is so evil and wicked. I'm, I'm amazed mm-hmm. that a woman would stand there and say that so calmly. I mean, I'm impressed that they that he, she was pushed. You know, you could tell that the, the person interviewing her was was shocked um but i you know it's it i think it's a real spiritual indication of what god thinks about us as a country that he would let us do this um and it's a good time for everybody who knows how to pray to to repent on behalf of everyone um this is the kind of thing that god lets us do when he you know (laughs) when he's kind of had it, I would say, with a nation. We can look back in history and then Bible to know what he thinks about people who kill their babies. Um, so it's really devastating and a good time for a prayer for mercy. Mm-hmm. But I, I just, you know, God is a merciful God, and those babies that are on the line now of more than ever before those babies are in his hands and the great wickedness that we can do is not anything compared to the great mercy that he had that he can have and um i think we need to hang on to that in a really really dark time that's ann kennedy author of nailed it 365 sarcastic devotionals for angry and worn out people and thank you so much It's that time of the year at the Springhouse in 84. It's Dairy Farm Tour time. That's right. We actually invite classes of school children to our real working dairy farm. The children love feeding the calf, milking the cow, and even seeing where the cows sleep and smelling what they eat. Many children today have never even touched a baby calf, nor have they associated the wonderful cow as the source of the milk that they get from the grocery store. At the Springhouse in 84, we are so committed to teaching children about farming and helping them understand how much the city mouse and the country mouse truly need each other. 
call 228-3339 or have your child's teacher set up a date for your child's classroom farm tour and let us share a little of our farm with you at the Spring House in 84. Hi, we're Jay and Laura LaFoon, and we are bringing the ultimate date night to your community. For more than 20 years, Jay and Laura LaFoon have been helping couples grow closer together with their unique form of marriage edutainment. Ultimate date night is an evening of fun, music, comedy for couples that is going to help you reconnect. And you know what? I'm just going to tell you, you're going to sit next to your spouse and you're going to laugh a lot. There will be hand-holding, laughing, and even dancing cheek-to-cheek at the ultimate date night. And believe it or not, you and your spouse will feel closer together when it's done. We want to help you connect, and the ultimate date night is the perfect place to come, to laugh, to connect. We have people tell us we haven't laughed like this in years. The ultimate date night is a great reminder of how much fun you can have together. We are looking forward to bringing the ultimate date night to you. Word FM presents the ultimate date night with Jay and Laura LaFoon, February 1st at Christchurch at Grove Farm. Tickets just $48 a pair. VIP package including dinner also available at wordfm.com. Come slash date night. This is going to be the year. This is the year you are finally going to get more sleep, real sleep, deep sleep, the kind where you wake up feeling fully rested, refreshed, and ready to take on the day. Well, put your head on my pillow. This is John Hall. There's no better time than now to make my pillow your pillow. Stop tossing and turning and get the support you need in your quest for a better night's sleep. Right now, Mike Lindell, the inventor of my pillow, is offering word listeners his amazing four pack special order today you'll receive two premium my pillows along with two go anywhere pillows plus shipping is absolutely free just enter the promo code word at mypillow.com try it and if you don't absolutely love it return it within 60 days for a full refund if you've resolved to get a better night's sleep now's the perfect time to do it use promo code word at mypillow.com and make my pillow yours today that's mypillow.com promo code word Just today, Ralph Northam, the governor of Virginia, was on WTOP talking about Virginia Representative Kathy Tran's uh, introduction of a bill called the Repeal Act. You know, I wasn't there, uh, Julie, and I I certainly can't speak for uh, Delegate Tran, but um, I would tell you, one, uh, first thing I would say, this is why decisions such as this should be made by providers, uh, physicians, uh, and uh, the uh, mothers uh, and fathers that that are involved, um, there are you know when we talk about third trimester uh, abortions, these are done uh, with the consent uh, of obviously the the mother with the consent uh, of the physicians, more than one physician by the way um, and it 's done in cases where there may be severe deformities, there may be a a, a fetus that 's non viable. So in this particular example, uh, if a mother is in labor, I can tell you exactly uh, what would happen. Um, The infant would be delivered. uh, The infant would be kept comfortable. uh, The infant would be resuscitated if if that's what the uh, mother and the family desired. And then a discussion would ensue between the physicians and the mother. So so I think this was really blown out of proportion. Uh, But again, we want the government not to be involved in these types of decisions. We want the decision to be made by uh, the the mothers and their providers. And, And this is why Julie, that legislators, most of whom are men, by the way, shouldn't be telling a woman 
what she should and shouldn't be doing with her body. Listen, he doesn't do you even... think multiple physicians should have to weigh in as is currently required? She's trying to lift that requirement. Well, I think it's always good to get uh, a second opinion and okay, for, well, for at least two providers to be involved in that decision because these decisions... Okay, so he doesn't even know what the bill is. The bill specifically says it removes the requirement for three physicians and it only goes to one. And right. guess who the approving physician has to be? The physician who's doing the abortion. Right. That's the only doctor so who to has go. to approve it. So, so you're good to go. His point is, well, everything's being blown out of proportion. How, don't, how do you blow that out of proportion? He just talked about infanticide. Right. I just heard, did, I didn't make that up. No, that, that's clearly right. what he, he was talking about. He said so the baby's born, the baby's resuscitated if the mother wants it, and then they have a nice discussion. The baby's right. kept comfortable, and then they decide what to do. Right. So you know, in the me? comfortable period, there's this discussion, well, want to flip a coin? Is that, is that you okay to you? Me? There's this article in Slate Magazine today about what's wrong with afterbirth abortion by Will Salatin, and he says in here how preposterous it is that pro-life people think that this is going to be a window into infanticide. That's just what we're talking about yeah, here. The governor of the state of Virginia just said that. WORDFM, Pittsburgh, a service of Salem Media Group. With SRN News, I'm Keith Peters in Washington. In the Midwest, it continues to be dangerous to go outside. An 82-year-old central Illinois man has died in the cold weather after authorities say he was found several hours after he fell trying to get into his home. Dr. Farouk Fertel, an emergency room physician at the Cleveland Clinic, says prolonged exposure to bitter cold temperatures can cause hypothermia. Your body temperature will feel cool to the touch, and people will start getting maybe a little more lethargic, a little slower. Amtrak has halted all its trains in and out of Chicago, while that city's O'Hare International Airport halted some 1,600 flights. People are being urged to stay indoors if possible. On Wall Street, the Dow by 435 points. The Nasdaq rose 155. The S&P advanced 41. Crude oil up 92 cents to $54.23 a barrel. This is SRN News. Maybe you're an elder in a local congregation somewhere or a deacon that's wanting to serve uh, your church more faithfully. Dr. Barry York on the Master of Theological Studies program at RPTS. Or you're a person who loves listening to podcasts. You go on and listen to some theologian discuss a topic of the day and you just love to grow. I say, why not formalize that a little bit more and focus it a little bit more and come to RPTS and take the MTS degree. The wonderful thing about the MTS degree is you can actually do it all online. So they can take the degree online and grow in that theological ability that will allow them to either teach or work more faithfully in their local congregation. With a Master of Theological Studies in Biblical Counseling, Biblical Studies, or Doctrinal Historical Studies, you'll be ready to serve however God calls. Learn more about the MTS degree program and flexible online options at rpts.edu. RPTS, study under pastors. This is Chris Abernethy of Abernethy and Hagerman. You don't want the government deciding what happens to your estate or how much they will take. At Abernethy and Hagerman, estate administration is the heart and soul of our practice. We have the experience to help not only plan, but administer your estate properly to protect your assets, minimize taxes, and ensure that your inheritance gets to the ones you love. Decide for yourself. Abernethy and Hagerman, legal help that lasts a lifetime. Visit a-h.law. You own a local business, and your national competition is eating your lunch. But you can beat them with our digital marketing experts. 
We're Salem Surround. We offer a free analysis of your digital marketing and suggest methods that could dramatically increase your sales. There are no limitations on where you can reach customers with Salem Surround. Total market penetration for increased ROI. Learn more by logging on to surroundpittsburgh.com. Surroundpittsburgh.com. Connecting you with new customers. I had a great time this morning with my dentist. She just made me feel so comfortable. To patients of Dr. Megan Stock, she's more than a great dentist. She's an answer to prayer. She makes you feel so calm. Didn't make me feel shameful about the condition of my teeth. We just love to talk about the Lord and what's going on in our families. I am confident that when I'm finished that I'm going to have a bright, beautiful smile, which I really wanted to have for a long time. She does fabulous work. Perry Highway in Wexford at StockFamilyDentistry.com. Folks, we must come out of hiding before we can recover and heal. Join Terry Hanna for Christians with Secret Addictions. How do we recognize the exact nature of our sins, our secrets, our embarrassing behaviors, our repressed nature? Must be brought to the forefront. We have to write it down to own it. We have to look at our mess before we can clean up our mess. Christians with Secret Addictions, Sunday night at 645 on WORD. Clear to partly cloudy tonight, brisk and frigid, going down to a low of 5 below zero. Wind chills remaining between about 20 and 25 below for tonight. Tomorrow, mostly sunny, brisk and bitterly cold. High 11, staying very cold tomorrow night with some snow late, low 6 degrees. Friday, some morning snow accumulating an inch or two. High Friday, 25 degrees. A Mackey Weather Meteorologist Danielle Niddle on 101.5 Word FM. Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home on 101.5 Word FM. And now here are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy Emmons. Burr. Man, it's so cold out there. It's a, little, it's a little cold in here today. Yeah. Do you think? It's, well, it's generally cold in this studio, but boy, it's nothing like it is outside. Man, it's so cold. God bless anyone who has to work outside today. Oh, my goodness. God bless those people. Anybody who's fixing something, an you know, electric line you know, power lines, water lines, oh my sewers, whatever it is. Gosh, we're grateful. Well, look, even in the lobby here at Seven Parkway Center, there's, you know, a guy at the desk, the, you know, the security guy. That lobby's freezing. Oh, my gosh. I mean, I was like coming in today going, you guys need hazardous duty pay. Isn't Just that... sitting in there. Listen, I stopped hour. at the uh, ATM on my way in. Mm-hmm. The ATM in our building is between the outermost door and like the next door. So it's just like a little tiny little ante room right. there between them and of course it's not heated there no. <laughs> so i'm there at the How's atm let me tell you I, so i put my the wrong card in mm. i wasn't thinking i was yeah. thinking about something else I put the wrong card in and it wouldn't give me any cash because of course it wasn't the right card anyway so then i put it in again thinking that it was the fault of the machine and not my own fault so anyway i stood there for a long time freezing and i thought i am like i couldn't have stopped at an atm yesterday really oh my god that's a first world problem hey let's talk about my um my husband's christmas gift for me what What? my husband's christmas gift to me could not have been more beautifully timed really i got a remote starter for my car very nice people i got it installed what do you think that was mike week before last i guess because mike took me there it is 
So glorious. Yeah. Here's how here's how silly and geeky we and are. And we're, 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 three of us are such right. dorks. So Kath got this starter installed, and she's got a car out here in the parking lot. We're six stories up. Yeah. The first few days, oh Kath's like, I'm going to stand by the window, and I'm going to start my car from six stories up. Mm-hmm. And so Mike and I are on either side of Kath. She presses the button. The car lights go, won't, won't you see that? And you go, we all went, Ooh. It was like it was like an eruption Ooh. of joy. We were so happy. Yeah, yeah. Super duper. <laughs> exactly. That's what that's what it felt like. Super duper indeed. Let me tell you, when I started that car this morning, I thought yes. Yeah. Uh huh. As long as you remember to keep the heater on. If you don't, you've ruined the whole thing. Of course. It took me a it took me a good like seven eight straight days to get my act together keep it because on. you leave the car and of course by then you're warm and mm-hmm. so you've turned your heater down. Well, you can't do that. No, no. You have to remember right before I'm getting out, I need to reset. Now on the other side of that spectrum, my car, <laughs> my car's a problem with the door locking in the freezing cold. It locks or doesn't unlock. It does not lock. So I'll get in my car and I'll go. The door will go boom, boom. It'll just, oh, so it won't even close. No, you know, you know, you, it tr- closes and it doesn't lock. Boom, boom. I'm like, oh doesn't no, doesn't stay shut. Doesn't stay shut. You know, there's something. It's, the lock is frozen inside. I've sprayed WD-40. I sprayed graphite. I've sprayed. I mean, I'm spitting on the thing. <laughs> Nothing's. So then I got to sit there for I don't know. Feels like forever. Or I just give up. And put the car in drive and hold the hold the steering wheel with my left hand and hold the door closed. You've got to be kidding with me. my right hand. That is not safe. I've gone down the parkway from here to Oakland like that. I'm worried about you. Coming down, if you're coming through the Fort Pitt tunnels outbound, you know, I'm sorry, inbound, and you know how there's that little curve as you right. head out. I as almost you fell go out, east. I almost fell out of my car one time. <laughs> that is a really. I have to tell you. That is a really stupid car problem. I'm just being honest. That is this a is really, my life. I mean, how, listen, there are a lot of problems with the car that's, that seem like, wow, that could cost a lot of money or that'd be very difficult to <clears> fix. <throat> yeah. I mean, the fact that you're concerned about falling out of your car. Right. This, this isn't is, a Model T we're talking no, about. No, no. This is, and the weird thing is, this is the second Taurus that I've owned that has had the exact same problem. What does that tell you? I like this car. Mm -hmm. What, except for the fact that you could fall out of it in winter? It's just a couple of days a year Mm -hmm. when it gets really cold. That's all. It just That's all. I mean, it's fine. It's really fine. So when you go home tonight. Yeah. Okay. Do you have trouble getting into the car? Sometimes. Sometimes, you know, well, like anybody. Not anybody. (laughs) Sometimes the door's frozen. You can't get in the car. And then what did you do? I pry it. I'm like, squeezing it with my fingers frozen trying to push it open get the door handle and hope the door handle doesn't I gotta be honest that's a lot well, that's what it is cars paid for mike any issues with your car in the winter no only when i start it though when i start it it goes and then it and then it kicks on i have to get it looked at there's <laughs> something sure. about that isn't right no, yeah no. definitely something is but, is but at least it starts i'm happy that it starts yeah of course you are like, man pray to jesus thank god it oh starts. thank you whenever that oh you get in your car oh and it starts holy smokes you know i hate to say this meanwhile getting back to me but <laughs> yeah, yeah of course because, no but it's actually a story about john because <laughs> i my last week when it was actually balmy it was only you know six, it was a whole 16 degrees or 18 yeah, yeah. degrees the day that my car wouldn't start Right. And so I needed a new battery because my my battery was on its way out. So God bless John for driving out to my house from here 
and then jumping my car battery in my driveway. Easy peasy. At that, listen, it was easy peasy, but were we not freezing? Oh, that's cold. Listen, we were trying, we were in my driveway and, you know, my house faces directly west. And so the, the wind comes right at the back of my house. So it was hitting our face. Oh. It was hitting our face. That was cold. We were so cold. My hand stopped working mm-hmm. at some point. Imagine if that was today. How about those AAA guys out exactly. there today? Exactly. That mean, could have been us today. If, if my battery wouldn't have conked out last week, today it certainly wouldn't have survived. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. I might have thought twice about coming out Yeah, you out wouldn't today. have come. That's oh, what would have Kath, happened. I love you. I mean, yeah, you're my co-host you would have been, It would have been the John show today. Oh, what the heck? No, I was selfishly going, yeah, I'm getting out of her. She needs to be over here, so. Yeah. That's all. Anyway, uh, what are we talking about? Yeah, we're, oh. ta- we're talking about being a people of longing and grief. Yes. How our brains work in beauty and in tragedy. Oh, the psychiatrist is in. That's next. You're as cold as ice. You're willing to sacrifice our love. 1.5 WORD. Everywhere you go, anywhere you go, Word FM goes with you. That's because we're no longer trapped inside a radio. We're now everywhere you are, and you carry us around in your pocket. We're ubiquitous. There's an app for that, right? On TuneIn, on iHeart, on our own app, on WordFM.com, on ChristianRadio.com, on the next Radio FM chip. The iPhone. The iPhone. The iPhone. The iPhone. On your iPad, iPhone, and Android. We're always with you because we're in Inside your pocket. Whatever you do, don't lose us. 101.5 WORD. Extreme Car and Truck in Bridgeville has everything you need to protect your car or truck all winter long. Say goodbye to winter grind with an extreme detailing to help preserve the life and look of your vehicle. Got a new car? Protect your investment with TST Rust Remedy, the most effective rust control system you'll find anywhere. And spray on bullet bed liners offer extreme protection tested in the most extreme conditions known to man. Call the Extreme Team now at 412-257-1006 or visit ExtremeTruck.net. 412-257-1006, ExtremeTruck.net. You may have to think hard about this. When was the last time you and your spouse went on a date? How about a date night where you had fun and made memories? It's been a while, hasn't it? Well, never fear, because the ultimate date night is near. For more than 20 years, marriage edutainers Jay and Laura LaFoon have been helping couples laugh together, sing together, and even dance cheek-to-cheek together while learning and growing closer together. The ultimate date night is a two-hour marriage experience where Jay and Laura LaFoon help couples reconnect. And whether you've been married one week or 75 years, you'll come away feeling closer to your spouse. In fact, 98% of people who attended the ultimate date night felt it added value to their marriage. Think the other two percent were in the bathroom when we took the survey. Don't miss your ultimate date night coming soon. Word FM presents the ultimate date night with Jay and Laura LaFoon Friday, February 1st at Christ Church at Grove Farm. Tickets just $48 a pair. Special VIP package including dinner also available. Reserve now at wordfm.com slash date night. So the new semester of Grove City College, of course, all college is underway. But you know, as I'm driving my boy uh, up to Grove City a couple of weeks ago, we were talking about, you know, what to expect for the winter spring semester. And, you know, he made the comment, well, you know, what I like about uh, Grove City is that as the semester gets underway, most of the college gathers together in chapel and there are prayers for what's about to take mm-hmm. place. And I thought, man, I mean, I, all the I years know. I was in college, I never prayed with anybody, guarantee you, anybody that was my friend, my teacher, an administrator, none of that. 
And I said to him, you know, you know, what you're doing here is really different. This is extremely special that you're in this kind of community of fellow believers who have Jesus Christ in their midst. And he was like, that's why I chose it. That's why I'm happy to be here. So I don't want to, you know, overestimate the nature of Grove City because Kath and I have talked about how we love Grove City mm-hmm. and Our that community there. there right? But at the same time, when you know that your kids there yeah. in that community, that's invaluable. It really is. And considering the excellence of Grove City and their educational prowess and the men and women who are stepping alongside in the classroom every day, what a great community to be part of. Right. So you're combining the community. You're combining the academics and the training. I don't think you can beat it. I agree. Find out more information, gcc.edu. Hundreds of ministries have discovered the success of a partnership with OnePlace.com, the largest online Christian broadcast platform on the web. Here's Greg Laurie. By partnering with OnePlace, we've been able to expand our online ministry in a way that complements our current web strategy for maximized outreach and impact. And Dr. David Jeremiah. Many of the new listeners we reach here each day through OnePlace are now faithful ministry supporters. Introduce your ministry to our audience. Visit us at OnePlaceRadio.com. The doctor is in. Dr. Kurt Thompson joins us on a a monthly basis. Dr. Thompson is a psychiatrist in private practice in Falls Church, Virginia. His uh, latest book is called The Soul of Shame, Retelling the Stories We Believe About Ourselves. Kurt, welcome back. How are you today? John and Kathy, great to be with you. Thanks so much. Kurt, you've been thinking and talking about how our brains work in both beauty and in tragedy. Mm, yeah. Um, you know, I um, I have a I have a new book project that's uh, that I'm that I'm working on that has a lot to do with this notion, um, this sense that uh, in the same way that evil uh, longs to use tragedy and uh, uses shame as an important part of that as a way to ruin the creation, and yet in the middle of that, we see that there are amazingly beautiful things that come out of that. So we see a creation of beauty that evil tries to ruin with tragedy, and yet it is the very presence of God, his willingness to be present in those really hard, painful places that actually creates space for even more beautiful things to emerge that otherwise wouldn't emerge if uh, the tragedy had never happened. This is not, of course, to say, well, the tragedy in and of itself was a good thing, but it is to say that there's no tragedy that God will not make even more beautiful by virtue of his very presence. I just think it's really striking that we see these kinds of things happening as reflected in brain science all the time. I see. So, so Kurt, I mean, this happened here in the city of Pittsburgh because, of course, I'm sure you know this, and all of our listeners do as well, that the Tree of Life synagogue shooting that happened in October here, 11 innocents were killed while they were in worship. I mean, that really has transformed, and this is not an understatement by any stretch, it's transformed how we look at each other here in the city of Pittsburgh. I'm sure it has, and uh, we because uh, my wife and I lived there for a couple of years, um, we've watched that story closely and have seen, not just from the moment of that deep tragedy, but also seen some of the amazingly beautiful stories that have emerged from there. Um, and uh, I, I think, you know, one of the things that um, you, we can look around at our, at our culture currently and say, you know, there's a lot of ugliness about what we see. 
Um, but it is in our willingness to be present with others in the middle of that ugliness um, that, in fact, the Spirit of God is given the opportunity to do things that are quite literally beyond our mind's ability to imagine. Hmm. All we, right. Um, yeah, so how, how does that yeah. look? Well, I mean, I um, this very day, our, our daughter, uh, Rachel, is a pastor in Roanoke, Virginia. She's an associate pastor at Second Presbyterian Church. It's a congregation of about 600 people. And um, she's been there for about three years. And last Thursday, one of the students that was been, has been part of her ministry, one of her students, uh, while a junior at Radford University, was murdered by her college roommate. Um and uh, she and her family are a deeply uh, connected and active family in Rachel's church. And, um, you know, for our daughter, who's 28, uh, this has become, um, uh, I don't know if we would say it, a defining moment, but clearly there have been things that she's been called upon to do in the middle of this tragedy, in the middle of this, it, I mean, again, you, if you're if your parents, uh, you can you can imagine that you say, well, when you send your kids off to college, you send them to a place where there are certain things that you know that might go wrong, and you can say there, are, you know, certain things you just don't do to protect yourself from danger, but you don't ever think to yourself, oh, and by the way, you also might want to make sure that you don't ever find yourself in a position in which you might, you know, be at risk for your life from your roommate. You're not really thinking about these kinds of things. And so this family uh, and Rachel's presence with them has, as we've been watching these, this story unfold, this family has demonstrated unusual, uh, not just resilience, but willingness to be people of grace in the middle of this unfolding tragedy. This very day, Rachel helped to oversee the funeral, and then tonight at Radford, there's going to be a prayer vigil that she's going to be part of. I say all this to say, um, this is a story that is beyond the pale. Um in the same way that the story of the tree of life is beyond the pale. Like there are no words for this. You can't make this stuff up, but this is what we get. This is what we get with our humanity that feels so broken. And it is into that very space. It's in these spaces where we have the deepest ruptures that God comes to move. So when Jesus says, look, it's not the people who are well, who need the doctor. It's the people who are really broken. It's those places that are most tragic that the most beautiful things are going to emerge because I'm going to wade right into it. And, of course, the corollary for this is that on the outside, we, we would look at stories like Tree of Life, and we would look at the story that my, that my daughter is, is having to face, and we would say, these things are beyond our capacity to comprehend But the reality is, if we are willing to take a look at it, each of us has places within each of us that, if we're honest enough, feel just as painfully broken. The thing is, we're really good at covering up our own internal personal murder scenes. We're really good at pretending that I don't have anything about me that is so ugly, that is so broken, that is so wrong, that would actually need the kind of thing that we get with Jesus on Good Friday. 
And I mean this not just in terms of theological realities, but I mean when we look at how difficult it is for us to reveal the real depths of who we are to one another, um, we, come, we, we come to recognize that shame really wants to do its work in reminding us and convincing us that there are parts of us, parts of our own internal states of affairs, that often feel just as broken as some of these external tragedies that happen that seem to be so far beyond us. And so what we desperately need is connection within community in which others can come to find us and to find those other places. And what's so amazing is that when that happens, not only do I have a different experience, but it changes the way my neural circuitry is being wired within me. No, wait, Kurt. So go back and talk about this. So that idea of of people walking around like like all of us do with our own personal murder within ourselves and to think about people especially who don't know Jesus how does that work how does that despair and shame and brokenness what is that first thread of the conversation with ourselves internally and then looking for help outward within that community where does that even start? I mean, that's so, it's, the dynamic to me seems to be so gigantic and so uphill. It does. And, and again, back to Jesus' words where he says, you know, it's not those who are well who need a doctor. And I think that's the thing. Uh, we, uh, you know, I walk around actually thinking I'm quite well. And I live in a culture that affords me a lot of things that I can use to help me convince myself that I'm well. I have money, I have access to technology, I have access to comfort, I have access to a lot of things that I can use to help cover over those parts of me that actually are not well at all. But when we start to tell our stories truly, when we begin to peel those layers off, when I tell my story truly, I begin to see that there are things that are taking place within me that I didn't know were taking place within me. One of the things that we do here in our practice that we're finding to be invaluable is that we are more and more uh, running lots of groups. We are conducting a lot of group intervention work, and one of the things that we do in these groups is that we give people the opportunity to tell their story, and we give them 20 minutes to tell their rendition of their story when they are first getting acclimated to a group. It is striking to me. For instance, how many of us have ever had been given 20 minutes to tell the essence of who we are to eight or 10 other people whose job it is to listen to what we are saying mm -hmm. and then to reflect back to us what they have heard, what they start to feel as they hear our story. And I will tell you that as these stories are revealed, amazing dynamics begin to happen in the room because other people who are hearing these stories be told, discover that there are parts of their stories that start to be evoked and start to be resonant and start to come to their minds that they haven't thought about in years. Their own personal tragedies that they have kept hidden and buried, but that they've got to burn lots of, as we might say, neuropsychiatric energy keeping covered in order for them to function during the day. But when the truth is spoken, as we like to say in these groups, when the truth is spoken, Jesus shows up and the Holy mm -hmm. Spirit goes to right. work. Yeah. 
But and before, but, are, but, but Kurt, let me interrupt you. But if the truth isn't spoken, if it's not acknowledged, if the real honest to goodness stuff of it is not just said out loud and just completely owned up to, then we're blocking recognizing where God is and what he'll do. That's right. And so we have all kinds of people, both inside the church and outside the church, people who are Jesus followers, right, included. I mean, and I and I would say, like, I'm the chief among sinners, as Paul would say. I think I have him beat, actually. <laughs> I mean, I in, in that, uh, we can enter the church and we, you know, we, we start our spiritual practices, and, and even those things. Like, it, important to remember, evil does its best work in the middle of good work being done. We will enter into the life of the church, and evil will do its work its very best to help me even use my spiritual practices to, like, blind me to what I even really need. And so I, so where else but the church would it be better for us to be able to tell the truth about our most painful, broken selves. But oftentimes it's there where we're most afraid to do it Got that right. because we haven't had a place to practice doing this without feeling the judgment of others. And so it's really, really tricky. And this is why the work that we're doing here in our practice, we talk about these groups as being confessional communities, communities where people are telling the truth about what their deepest longings are, about what their deepest griefs what their deepest shames are, but all in the presence of deep presence. And as I've watched what's happened at Tree of Life, and as I've watched what's happened over the last week at this church community in Roanoke, what I have discovered is the very thing that we're trying to do here in these communities is what's happening in these places, that people are showing up and being present, even in the face of these great painful things, recognizing that this is what Emmanuel is all about. Mm-hmm. This is what atonement, right? The English word, the origin of the English word atonement is at one meant, to be one with us in our grief, mm-hmm. such that even in those dark, broken places, Jesus calls us into things that are far more beautiful on the backside of that than we could ever imagine, and then commissions us to go and do likewise with those around us who are suffering, while we also continue to reveal the parts of us that feel so in need of hearing from someone else that even though my life feels broken, they are going to remain in the room with me despite that. Yes, that's excellent. Kurt, I would only confess to someone that I deeply trusted. And I think for a lot of people... The only people they're going to trust, the only person they're going to trust is Jesus. So a confessional community is scary for a lot of people. You know, it's, uh, you, you, couldn't, you couldn't be more right, John. Um, and, and this is why we, we say to folks, uh, this kind of work, uh, this kind of work is not for cowards, mm-hmm. and it's not for fools. And um, uh, we know that finding people who are willing to do the hard work in community is difficult to do. I mean, look, Jesus had trouble finding people who would do community with him. He, you know, on, at, at Gethsemane, like he had yeah. guys who were like falling asleep on, like he couldn't get guys to stay awake. He had people who were leaving to go bury their dad and go, you know, check out a piece of land that they just bought. If Jesus himself is having trouble getting people to do like work with him, it's not going to be easy to do. But I will say this, 
Jesus is the one who said, and they will know that you are my disciples by the way you love one another. And to love one another necessitates that we be in communities where in which our deepest longings, our deepest tragedies are together held in the presence of God, such that great beauty can be created in the wake of that. That's Dr. Kurt Thompson. He's a psychiatrist in private practice, Falls Church, Virginia. His latest book, The Soul of Shame, retelling the stories we believe about ourselves. Very nice. Thank you, Kurt. Hey, we'll take a quick break, come back. Um, How about Wikipedia? Do you use it? Do you trust it? We got a story about a guy who was born for this. Stick around. This is a special notice to all U.S. taxpayers. If you owe the IRS or state back taxes and cannot afford to pay them back, there's good news. Due to the financial hardship many are facing in today's economy, the IRS has made it easier to settle delinquent tax problems through a federal program called the Fresh Start Initiative. Qualifying for this program will resolve your tax problem, end all collections, and possibly reduce your back taxes by up to 90%. If you are facing wage garnishments, liens, bank levies, audit or payroll taxes, it's not too late. Your circumstances may qualify you for this special program, protecting your savings and your assets. If you owe the IRS or state back taxes and cannot afford to pay them back, there's no need to worry anymore. Call the hotline at Victory Tax Solutions to see if you qualify and potentially save thousands. For this free information, call 800-813-1105. 800-813-1105. That's 800-813-1105. Email phishing attacks cost businesses billions annually in real cash, data loss, and brand damage. Phishing emails are hard to detect because the messages appear to be legitimate to unsuspecting employees. Introducing Barracuda Fish Line, a groundbreaking cloud-based solution designed to help employees recognize sophisticated email phishing attacks through interactive training reinforced by continuous simulation. Transform your employees from a liability into a line of defense. Go to barracuda.com slash pl to learn more. Train up children in the way they should go, and when they are old, they will not depart from it. Visit pittsburghchristianschools.net to discover godly teachers and great classmates near you. That's pittsburghchristianschools.net, pittsburghchristianschools.net. I get this warm feeling every single time we have special needs patients in our office. Their needs are not that different from anybody else. Spending the time with that patient is very rewarding to me. Exceptional dentistry meets compassionate care at stockfamilydentistry.com. Most clubs you join require an initiation fee or a club membership, but not the Word FM Discount Shopping Club. No, in our club, you save as much as half. That's right, 50% on gift certificates and items from local restaurants, health services, and much more. All from the comfort of your computer or smartphone. Log on now to wordfm.com slash shopping. And I'll see you at the club. Thank you. You know, they say the best is yet to come. But to make that true for your retirement, you need a plan. We'll start by tuning in for Your Retirement Blueprint with Kurt Kenotic and Ethan Lane with Accurate Solutions Group every Saturday morning at 10. Kurt and Ethan can help simplify the retirement planning process. No technical terms or calculations, no product pushing, just the information you need for retirement. Don't miss Your Retirement Blueprint with Kurt Kenotic and Ethan Lane of Accurate Solutions Group every Saturday morning at 10 right here on 101.5 Word FM.
Clear to partly cloudy tonight, brisk and frigid, going down to a low of 5 below zero. Wind chills remaining between about 20 and 25 below for tonight. Tomorrow, mostly sunny, brisk and bitterly cold. High 11, staying very cold tomorrow night with some snow late, low 6 degrees. Friday, some morning snow accumulating an inch or two. High Friday, 25 degrees. I'm AccuWeather Meteorologist Danielle Niddle on 101.5 Word FM. Remember when you were in school, you know, and if you're a certain age, you needed something, you needed some information, you went to the encyclopedia, which I loved. Did you not love the encyclopedia? It was fun. I mean, because the encyclopedia was like the original surfing thing. Because if you went, you know, you're looking under the P's and, you know, you found your way. But around that was all sorts of information as well. You could spend literally hours sitting in front of the encyclopedias. Now, there's Wikipedia now, which I think we're at a, we're a lesser society in some ways because. But it's a tremendous resource. It surely it's is. It's a tremendous. I mean, I. I can't tell you how. I, I, there's a hardly a day that goes by where I'm not on it. Wikipedia? Yeah. I use it every day. I, I, gave, I know I do. I gave money to them last year. Yeah, me too. Because I felt like, you know what? You, yeah. I've gotten so much information that I wanted to get off of this site. But my fear is that Wikipedia is shaky sometimes. Of course. That's always the fear. Right? What's the source of information? Who right. is we posting? Right. We never correcting. asked those questions about who was running Britannica, did right. we? Right. No, no. We had 100%. That was locked down. Right? We, were we Mr. knew that whoever that was. Oh, those Britannica people. They, they were on the side of all that's right. Well, check this out. This is like pulling back the curtain of Wikipedia. There's a guy named Steve Pruitt. Okay. Steve Pruitt has made three million edits on Wikipedia, <gasps> and he has written 35,000 original <gasps> articles. It has earned him not only accolades, but legendary status on the web. The online encyclopedia, Wikipedia, uh, has more than 5.7 million articles in English, millions more translated into other languages, all written by online volunteers. Steve Pruitt was named one of the most influential people on the Internet by Time magazine, in part because one-third of all English articles on Wikipedia have been edited by Steve Pruitt. One-third of everything on Wikipedia in English is edited by this dude. Yep, this one, one dude. Yep. Oh, my gosh. Steve Pruitt is obsessed, of course, with history. His love of opera inspired his Wikipedia username, Sir Amadio Di Nicolo, his favorite opera character. He says this, my first article was about Peter Francesco, who was my great, 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 great grandfather. And if we had an hour, I could probably go on to the full story, Pruitt said. He was a sergeant in the arms of Virginia Senate, and there's kidnapping, piracy. If you read the story, you would not believe that any of it happened. Steve Pruitt still lives with his parents in the home that he grew up in, remains true to his interests. He says, you know, I think for a long time there was this attitude of, that's nice, that's nice, dear, the boy's crazy. I, I know that he's wasting his time, Pruitt said of his parents. But that changed when Time Magazine verified him as one of the top 25 most influential people on the Internet, alongside President Trump, J.K. Rowling, Kim Kardashian West, and, of course, you know. That's uh, a very strange, let me break in, a very strange selection of people you've just named. Yep. How much does Steve Pruitt earn from his work on Wikipedia? Zip. 
Nothing. Oh, my gosh. He says that the idea of making it all free fascinates me. My mother grew up in the Soviet Union, so I'm very conscious of what, what it can mean to make knowledge free, to make information free to everyone. He pulls from books, academic journals, other sources. He spends more than four hours a day researching, editing, and writing. Every day his job is research. He works at the U.S. Customs and Border Protection. He joked that his colleagues probably thinks that he's nuts. He says because he edits Wikipedia all the time, I think that one goes without saying that my life is all about research. Isn't that cool? That blows my mind. Steve Pruitt. Likely, Steve Pruitt is the one who told me yesterday all about Donnie and Marie. (laughs) (laughs) Now, don't you love when you're watching something or seeing something? And you you have to look it up. I just saw Marie Osmond doing one of those crazy commercials on for Weight Watchers or something, and I thought, what's Marie Osmond been doing all these years? And I went to Wikipedia, and perhaps Steve Pruitt is the one that told me all about her. He may have. He may have some. You know that Marie Osmond married the same person two different times. 32 years apart. (laughs) Steve Pro is probably the person that told me that. God bless you, Steve. God bless Wikipedia. Word FM. Next time on Orchard Hill Today. Some people have looked at it and maybe don't like the conclusions, and so they say, I'm just going to take a space that basically says I'm not committed to any particular viewpoint. This week, Dr. Kurt Bjorklund looks at John Chapter 4 in a series of topics that can be considered difficult subject matters of conversation in a series entitled Not for Polite Conversation. Be sure to join us weekday mornings at 9.30 a.m. for Orchard Hill Today on 101.5 Word FM. This is going to be the year. This is the year you are finally going to get more sleep, real sleep, deep sleep, the kind where you wake up feeling fully rested, refreshed, and ready to take on the day. Well, Put your head on my pillow. This is John Hall. There's no better time than now to make my pillow your pillow. Stop tossing and turning and get the support you need in your quest for a better night's sleep. Right now, Mike Lindell, the inventor of my pillow, is offering word listeners his amazing four pack special. Order today. You'll receive two premium my pillows along with two go anywhere pillows. Plus, shipping is absolutely free. Just enter the promo code WORD at mypillow.com. Try it. And if you don't absolutely love it, return it within 60 days for a full refund. If you've resolved to get a better night's sleep, now's the perfect time to do it. Use promo code WORD at mypillow.com and make my pillow yours today. That's mypillow.com. Promo code WORD. Winter is a fantastic time to replace winter windows and doors. Energy Swings Donnie Dara on the value of a winter installation. Whenever you get windows and doors in the wintertime, it is actually a very warm installation. We take one window out at a time, you immediately put the new one in, and then most of the time is taken by finishing around the inside and finishing around the outside, and it's the same concept with a door. And prices are typically the best in the winter months. Typically, it's a slower season. A lot of suppliers have a lot of discounts. So what we're offering right now, we have an additional $50 off off per window and $250 off per door. Plus, for the loyal Word FM listeners, when you get a new entry door, you get a free ring doorbell. The ring doorbell has really been a big thing, and we give them away free with every front entry door that we 
install. Right now, take an extra $50 off per window when you purchase six or more and $250 off per entry door or patio door over and above any current offers for word listeners only at EnergySwingWindows.com. Join Pittsburgh Theological Seminary for the fifth annual Community Conversation on Race and Faith on Saturday, February 9th at 2 p.m. Featuring a lecture by professor and author Herbert R. Marbury. The title of Dr. Marbury's lecture is Sacred Texts and Contested Canons, a Biblical Witness in Polarized Times. The lecture is open to the public and admission is free. The fifth annual Community Conversation on Race and Faith, Saturday, February 9th at 2 p.m. Details at pts.edu. Hundreds of ministries have discovered the success of a partnership with OnePlace.com, the largest online Christian broadcast platform on the web. Here's Greg Laurie. By partnering with OnePlace, we've been able to expand our online ministry in a way that complements our current web strategy for maximized outreach and impact. And Dr. David Jeremiah. Many of the new listeners we reach here each day through OnePlace are now faithful ministry supporters. Introduce your ministry to our audience. Visit us at OnePlaceRadio.com. On the Parkway East, there's this gigantic Holiday Inn. And I don't know, more than a decade ago, it uh, flooded from up top. And so it sat empty. This thing sat... I never knew what happened to it. It just... Oh, there was a flood, like, on New Year's Eve. And so somehow the flood, you know, the the alarms, the sprinkler system went on forever and ever. And so somehow it made the building useless as a hotel. So it sat empty for a long time. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Oh, sorry. Am I keeping you up here? <laughs> Holy smokes. All of a sudden, I guess I was thinking about the Holiday Inn. I got sleepy. <laughs> I'm telling you a story. There's like this gigantic yawn in my face. I mean, that's we're radio. It wasn't a commentary. It's just an anatomic reaction. Anyway, let me continue, <laughs> please. Okay, so the holiday in floods, it sits empty forever and ever and ever. Finally, like last year, a big sign goes up, Guardian Self Storage. So this is a building. I bet you the building's 10 or 11 stories. Now, it's an 11-story storage facility. Which, right down the road from my house, less than a half a mile, is another storage facility. Another mile or so from my house is another storage facility. I mean, these things have become gigantic business. Yes, ubiquitous. How much stuff do people have? A lot of stuff. It's crazy. Joshua Becker is with us. Josh is the founder, editor of Becoming Minimalist, a website that inspires one million readers. He's also a co-founder of the popular online magazine, Simplify. He's got a brand new book out right now, The Minimalist Home. Josh, easier for me to say? Well, I wish I could say it better, but welcome to the show. How are you today? Oh, I'm doing wonderful. How are you? Good, good, thanks. I can't get over the fact that our country has at least 50,000 storage facilities, more than the number of Starbucks and McDonald's combined. It's uh, it's really quite unbelievable, and even more when you consider the fact that the average American home has tripled in size in the last 50 years, and still 10% of Americans uh, rent off-site storage just to house their stuff. Wow. That can't That's mean so sick. anything good about us. It can't. Um. I would agree. I would agree. I uh, I think it. What it here's what it tells me. It tells me that we're living very unintentional lives. Mm-hmm. That we are spending a lot of money and a lot of time buying stuff that we don't need. Uh, that isn't making us any happier. That's actually 
taking our time and money and energy from things that actually would bring us happiness and yeah. purpose and fulfillment in life. Right. Okay, so Josh, when did this happen to you that when you saw you know this explosion of stuff and you thought, well, I could do better, I, I need this, was it a personal thing first before it became your life's work? Yes, indeed. It was, a, it was an explosion of stuff in my garage, actually, 10 uh, ten years ago, I was cleaning out my garage on a Saturday morning. Uh, my son, Salem, was five years old at the time. Uh, I spent hours working on the garage. My son was uh, constantly begging me to come play wiffle ball with him in the backyard, and I'm just pushing him off and off. Anyway, I talked to my neighbor. Um, I started complaining a little bit about how much time had gone into my stuff, and she said, you know, my daughter's a minimalist, and she keeps telling me I don't need to own all this stuff. And I remember looking at the pile of dirty, dusty things in my driveway I'd spent all day taking care of and cleaning up. Out of the corner of my eye, there's my son swinging alone on the swing set in the backyard and had this realization that not only were my things not making me happy, but even worse, everything I owned was taking me away from the very thing that did bring me happiness and purpose, fulfillment in life. So that began the process for me ten and a half years ago. Wow. Okay, so there's been this sort of awakening, this conscious awakening of which you're a part of. Uh, who's the woman on Netflix uh, uh, that she's made a Marie, big? Hello, I'm Marie, Marie Kondo. Kondo. Marie, Kondo. Uh, Marie Kondo, right? <laughs> so is. yeah, so everybody sort of know now that she's on Netflix. I, to be honest, I did not know who she was, but Kath knew who she was. So this has become mainstream now. But you've been doing this for a long time. But but what interests me about you, Josh, is that there is a a Christian theological perspective that you're bringing to this, yeah? Oh, uh, indeed. I was, uh, I was a pastor for 15 years uh, before doing what I'm doing now, which is writing and, and uh, speaking on this topic. And, oh, gosh, I mean, uh, the, the Bible's full of, you know, Jesus exhorting us to, to sell possessions and give to the poor, and abundance of life is not found in possessions, uh, he has a parable about the man who just built bigger barns to hold all of his stuff. And uh, John the Baptist even calls us, you know, get rid of your extra coats and rid of your extra food. And uh, for me, I think for years growing up with those passages, um, for some reason I thought Jesus was really causing, asking me to live a miserable, boring life, um, that that would be the cause of me getting rid of anything. Um, until I started actually living it out and getting rid of things I didn't need, um, holding on to just the things I did need, and uh, suddenly found, gosh, I've never been happier. Um, I've never been more fulfilled by owning fewer things and directing my attention and resources towards uh, things that matter. So how do you motivate yourself to, to be this minimalist? What do you do? Well, for me, it was, uh, it was a couple of things. Number one, I, uh, I started the process of minimizing my possessions very easy. Uh, I didn't start out in the, the garage or the attic or the basement or the storage unit or trying to get rid of sentimental things. I, I started in my car. I just got rid of anything out of my car that didn't need to be there. Uh, moved to the living room, which, in, which was another pretty easy space for me. Um, and it was, we were a family of four at the time. And I just began systematically moving through my home, starting with the easiest rooms and moving towards the hardest. A little bit like building up a muscle. You know, you don't run a marathon the first day out. You, you run half a mile or one mile, and then you 
uh, eventually work your way up to some of those harder spaces. But people start in the hard spaces, I think, often get frustrated and overwhelmed with the process. Nice. So what do you, to what do you um, attribute the the sudden interest in all of this. I mean, Marie Kondo's book is a is a bestseller. She's got the thing on TV. Um, but what do you think that we at heart are just recognizing our own sickness and realize we need a doctor? Uh, yes, I think so. Well, I think there's a number of things that are, that are going on. Uh, you find technology um, advancing, which makes minimalism easier. Uh, I don't need books and movies and photos and maps. Um, music because I, I can have them all in my computer on my phone like that's one piece of it that, that makes minimalism easier than ever before uh, I think that you find each generation at a phase where they're ready um, you know baby boomers are retiring and starting to downsize um, millennials have always been a little less interested in in stuff than um, than previous generations my generation we've got kids and houses that are too full um, so I think there's there's a lot of factors that, that move to it. But honestly, it's we've just spent so many decades buying so much stuff, accumulating so many things, being told by marketers and advertisers that it was going to make us happy. Uh, I think at some point we were going to reach peak stuff where we couldn't handle any more, and we were going to begin to realize, hey, this stuff isn't adding up to everything that was promised on these advertisements. There must be a better way to live. Yeah. I mean, the big thing for me, the, the fear is that, Josh, that I'm going to die and then my kids have to wade through all my yeah. stuff, which I don't want my kids to have to suffer through. Yeah, I, I mean, when I go speak on this topic, there are as many 70, 80-year-olds that come as 20 and 30-year-olds uh, because that's that's a question that the people are thinking about and, and asking about whether they uh, need to downsize for any specific reasons, whether they want to downsize or whether they're just thinking about, man, I got all this stuff and I don't want to burden my kids with having to go through it when they're like already dealing with the emotion of losing a parent and then they have to go through all my stuff too. Uh, it's almost it's almost a bit unfair that we would have to pass that burden on to our kids rather than handling it ourselves. So uh, what kind of positive reinforcement is there when you do ditch your stuff? Positive reinforcement. I, um, you know, as I started owning less, I found, I found so many benefits to it. I found that I had more money and I had more time and more energy mm -hmm. and less stress. Uh, I found that as I owned fewer things, I could own higher quality things, that being frugal and being minimal aren't necessarily the same. I found opportunity for generosity and gratitude and contentment. I started living a better example for my kids, a better life for the environment. As I was just noticing how my life was improving by owning less, for me, that was the positive reinforcement that I needed. And actually, uh, in the book, The Minimal Home, that's one of the things that we that I talk about specifically is is noticing and articulating how owning less is improving your life because it, it is the positive reinforcement and the motivation to keep going and, and find more things to remove from your home and life. Nice. Josh, you know what? This resonates with me tremendously. What you just said uh, about your glove box, I had my one of my boys in the car the other day, and I said, yeah, reach in there and... And I opened up the glove box. And I mean, all sorts of stuff fell out. I mean, out. stuff that I haven't looked at or yeah. need or wanted in years and years and years, and there it sits. So I'm going to take this. I mean, that's really excellent advice. I'll start there, and I'm going to go through my house because I really appreciate this. This is good common sense, and it's also theologically sound. So thanks so much for being with us today.
Joshua Becker, founder and editor of Becoming Minimalist, a website that inspires over a million readers each month to find more life by owning less. The book, The Minimalist Home, room-by-room guide to a decluttered, refocused life. How long has it been since you and your spouse got away for an evening? You know what I mean? A night where you don't have to do the cooking or wash the dishes or tell the waiting staff to go to bed. A night where you don't have to pack Cheerios and where you don't plan to run some errands on the way home. Bottom line, when was the last time you two got to just laugh together? Make room on your calendar for the ultimate date night with Jay and Laura LaFoon. You may ask, what is an ultimate date night? It's the perfect place to laugh and learn to love each other better. It's like no other marriage event you've ever been to because you'll actually enjoy it. Join us. You know you need a good laugh. Word FM presents The Ultimate Date Night with Jay and Laura LaFoon, an ultimate evening of marriage edutainment. Friday, February 1st at Christchurch at Grove Farm. Tickets just $48 a pair. Special VIP package including dinner also available. Reserve now at wordfm.com slash date night. Indeed. Used by over 3 million businesses for hiring, where business owners and HR professionals can post job openings with screener questions, then sort, review, and communicate with candidates from an online dashboard. Learn more at Indeed.com slash hire. Hey, check it out. Friday night is the ultimate date night. We're going to be there as the MCs. Yeah, that's right. Christchurch at Grove Farm. Yeah. Looking the evening to starts at, I was trying to think of the time. Is it 7? 7 o'clock. 7 o'clock. Yep. Christchurch at Grove Farm. If you're in the VIP section, where I believe there are still tickets available, we're going to be there for dinner right. uh, in that group. And then we'll be emceeing the larger group session. We sure hope you come. It's a really fun night. It sure is. Jay and Laura LaFoon. They are really funny. If you were there last year, you know how funny they are. But they've got a whole new show, so it's not like it's going to be a rerun of last year. No, no. Wordfm.com. Highly recommended. Hey, look. I mean, here we are on hump day. So treat yourself, right? Treat yourself yourself go and do this on friday night we're going to be there and uh hope that you're is there as well hey absolutely amazing story today i'm reading from radio.com it says that the u.s navy's first female jet pilot has died at 65 retired captain rosemary bryant mariner was born in 1953 one of the first women john to earn their wings as a u.s naval aviator in 1973 that's cool she graduated from purdue university at the age of 19 john graduated from college at 19 with a degree in aeronautics she received her flight training and then trained on the a4c and the a7e corsair 2 to become the first woman to fly a frontline attack aircraft. Wow. In 1990, she made history again as the first woman to command a military aviation squadron, a VAQ-34, during the Gulf War. She served on the staff of the Joint Chiefs in the Pentagon with her most recent assignment as chairman of the Joint Chiefs Chair in Military Strategy at the National War College. She retired from the Navy in 1997 after 24 years of service, 17 carrier landings, and over 3,500 military flight hours. Super cool. She continued to mentor and connect with other women aviators, women aviators, um, as the president of the Women Military Aviators. She was a strong advocate for the integration of women in combat aviation roles and paved the way for many other female aviators to follow in her footsteps. She survived by her husband, retired Navy Commander Tommy Mariner, and their daughter, Emily. Wow. 65. Absolutely amazing life. Retired Captain Rosemary Bryant Mariner. Excellent. We thank you for your service. Well, I mean, you know, how about those women on, like, on the front lines? Remember whenever women were first admitted into combat or the pilot ranks? That was a huge deal. 
I mean, talk about you know generational busters. I wonder what that was like for her to walk in there as one of the first women and say, "Yeah, I'm going to fly this plane." She could not have been you know met with a lot of joy. I can't imagine. There are some wonderful photographs of her that are posted online today. That's super cool. Can whenever you see people, and I, I always marvel at this. Of course, they've been doing it forever. When you see people land the planes on the aircraft carriers, that's unthinkable. I think, man, you have got a lot of guts flying in there like that. That's talk about dangerous. I mean, first of all, dangerous for the pilots. Second yeah. of all, dangerous for the crew. Yep, that's up there. I mean, it's just the fact that human beings can do that yeah. absolutely blows my mind. You got that right. Yeah. Hey, uh, thanks for being with us. Our show is essentially over right now. However, our podcast is up and running. That's right. Johnandcathyshow.com. You can find us on iTunes. Yep. Wordfm.com as well. Uh, we're on Facebook, The Ride Home with John and Kathy. I mean, we're easy to I find. mean you can find us on Twitter. Kathy yep. underscore Wordfm. John Hall underscore Wordfm. Also, New Mike. Plus, we have a brand new The Ride Home account. Holy we'll smokes. be tweeting from even now. Yeah, and if you want to see us in person, don't forget date night, Friday night, okay? Christ Church at Grove Farm. In the meantime... Please stay warm. I I hope that uh, wherever you are right now, that uh, you've got the resources, the community around you to keep yourself viable until this cold snap finally breaks. Thanks for being with us. God willing, we'll see you same time tomorrow. Have a great night. The Ride Home with John and Kathy, a production of Word FM and Salem Communications. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.